Okay. Um, so once again, I appreciate y'all coming today. Um, I woke up this morning. I was I uh, I thought, man, I'm I'm really tired. I'm gonna need a cup of coffee to get through Mark's sermon this morning. And then I realized I'm the one giving the sermon. So I had so I had two cups. Two cups. Yes. Um, so last week. Uh, Pastor Mark spoke on courageous faith, and he talked about complacent faith and con- con- complicit. Con- complicit. Yes, thank you, complicit. I knew it was one of those C words. Complicit faith. And so what I want to do is I want to I want to take courageous faith and go maybe one step further with it. Um, so to pose a question to you real quick, what does courageous faith what do you think of when you think of courageous faith? Having the gut to share. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Did you have something? Well, the places that normally they can't. The bar specifically. Sure. Mm-hmm. I, I think of courageous faith as that when God prompts you, because sometimes we're, you know, a yes is yes or a no is no, or sometimes we're supposed to be sharing, sometimes we're not. We're supposed to be loving. But I think creative faith is when God prompts you and you go there. Because so often, you know, you'll have that pounding, you know yeah. it's the Holy Spirit. Right. You have that pounding in your chest and you know you're supposed to say something. Right. So courageous. Oh. Right. I think the greatest part for me would be uh, setting yourself aside mm-hmm. and going to God one way or another. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. That's uh, easier, yeah we're going to touch on that. That was the mm-hmm. part of it. Yeah, right. Courage, by definition, is doing something while still being in fear. Yeah. You know, it's not like overcoming the fear and then doing uh, it. It's right. Being in the fear and still pushing through. Still pushing through it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Very good. All good stuff. Um, sometimes it's 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 people like um, we think of people maybe in our lives or that we've experienced, we've read about, um, and the things that when they stepped out. You know, we read those stories, the books, um, about other people. <coughs> Sometimes we think about the circumstances that we've been in, and maybe we have or have not stepped out in those circumstances. We also think about Bible characters when we think about um, courageous faith. So um, I want to I want to uh, maybe look at a few things this morning. Uh, first of all. Um, what does it look like? What does creative faith look like? How do we see it? Where does it come from? And how can we foster it? So first of all, what does it look like? When we, when we go back into um, maybe some Bible characters here, uh, one of them that I had thought of, or maybe uh, Pastor Mark had given me a list and I went down the list and I picked a few. Uh, was Joseph? Um, of course, Genesis. And if you want to, if you want to reread the story, 
uh, Genesis chapter 33 through 44. So you have this kid, um, and you know he, he some of his. Uh, sorry, I don't want to get too far into the weeds here. So he's sold into slavery by his own brothers, right? His brothers are maybe a little bit jealous because um, he brings up the fact that he had these dreams. They're all bowing down to him, including his dad. And throughout that, so now he's, he's sold into slavery into these traders. These traders sell him into Egypt. He ends up Potiphar's house, okay? Finding just high favor. Ends up running his whole household. Well, then the Potiphar's wife comes after him. He gets blamed for it. Ends up in Egyptian uh, jail, right? Then he talks to a couple of knuckleheads after being there for a little bit. And he tells them about their dreams. That all comes true. And he says, hey, you know, when you get there, remember me. Well, those knuckleheads forget about it. And two years later, after that, then they finally mention it. So now he's in uh, the Pharaoh's house, finds super favor there after, after uh, defining his dream. And now he's running, just about running the whole country, right? But we get to see all those details, and we get to see the steps along the way to where it got him to there, okay? But what, what kept him... You know, what kept him with spirits up through all that? I mean, you're talking four years in jail. An Egyptian jail. In back in, you know, practically pterodactyl times. You know what I mean? The only thing I could come up with on this is that he was waiting to see the good and the purpose in the suffering. He knew that there was a purpose for the suffering. And so he kept going. He kept putting one foot in front of the other. What about Esther? Here's another one. Esther, and this is an Esther, uh, chapter 4 is where I'm going to kind of pick up my main point from. Uh, but you can read the whole story. So to kind of summarize that story, um, Queen Vashti didn't want to come to the king sometime. He ends up saying, you know what, you're not my queen anymore. One of, one of his boys, one of the king's boys, says, well, let's just go and get all these virgins together and you can pick one. So Esther ends up in that bunch of, of, of girls and is in essence to me, now she's been picked to be this prostitute for him and um, now named the queen, right? Did she know what, what the purpose of that was when she first got in there? Had no idea, right? So Mordecai, her cousin, tells her in the middle of all this, you know, I mean, just think about it. You've been picked to be be this person, and now you're in it, and you have no clue as to why you're you're living this life. Yeah, it's a little posh, but whatever. You know, you still got to do all these other things in, in, in light of it. However, Mordecai comes to her through a, they start, talking back and forth with uh, a mediator. And Mordecai says, hey, Haman's going to be destroying our whole nation. She gives back to him, uh, so what am I going to do about it? So she gives back to her, well, you think you're going to get saved because of it? And she comes back to him and finally says, you know what? You guys pray and fast. My people are going to pray and fast here too. I'm going to go in to see the king. And one, one small point with this is that she had a 50-50 chance. 
we'll go in to see the king. Either he's going he's, he's gonna, to uh, stick out that gold scepter to her, or he's not, and she's dead. In, in that uh, Esther, uh, Esther chapter 4, 15 through 17, she finally says, you know what? I'm going to go see the king. And if I perish, I perish. <coughs> she risked her own life. And she had no idea she'd find favor. She did. I mean, most of us have read and even heard the story. She found favor. But in the end, I mean, we, we can see the steps along the way. But she can't. That takes courage. Yeah. That's good stuff. What about um, Gideon? Everybody know the story about Gideon? Yeah. The least of these. Huh? The least of these. The least of these, yes. So Gideon, he's minding his own business one day. He's, he's threshing the wheat in the, in, the, um, in the wine press because the Midianites, Midianites are coming along and stealing everything from him. And, taking everything that they have. And this angel of the Lord appears to him and says, the first thing he says to him is, you mighty man of valor. He knew who he was. More, you know, Gideon may not have known that, but he, this, this angel of the Lord, he knew that. Mm-hmm. Tells him that, hey, I want you to go and I want you to do something about it. I want you to save your people from the many So what does he do? He, he, first thing he does, he starts complaining. God, what'd you do? Leave us here? We're, we're here. We've heard all these stories about you, but yet, here we are. So the first thing he does is he complains to God. And this guy, and this angel of the Lord says to him, listen, we're picking you, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing here. I'm picking you, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make sure this is done through you, and this is what I want you to do. And so the first thing he does is he goes and, and uh, he destroys the big statue of Baal, which, of course, was a, I mean, this is still, still considered a kid in his, his village. You don't think that doesn't take courage? I mean, back then, we think about it now, kids doing something like that now, oh, yeah, well, kids are kids. Now, back then, you don't, you don't do something like that. I mean, all the elders of the, of the, of the town are going to come together and they're going to kill you. And that's just about happened. But when we see in Judges uh, 6.16, I'm, I'm just going to go there real quick. Judges 6.16. Uh, and um, he says, this is after, um, after all that had happened. Now he's saying, hey, I want you to get all these people together. Um, and he's, he's got this whole thing, all these people, that he says it's too many, right? And we need to whittle it down. Because, and the Lord said to him, surely I will be with you, and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. Then he said to him, if now I have found favor in your sight, and I might be in the wrong verse, Okay, in essence, I'll paraphrase again. <laughs> Sorry, I wrote, the, I wrote the wrong one down. I've done it. Um, anyway, uh, he says, I'm going to do this. 
because I don't want you guys taking credit for it and denying you. This has got to be something that you can only point back to me. And he whittled it all the way down to 300, and guess what happened? They defeated the Midianites. You don't tell me that's going to take some courage? 300 guys against, I don't even know what the number was. It's 125,000. Thank you. That's a few people. Yeah. That's a few people. Yeah, good stuff. He even tested God in the middle of that, too, with a, with a sheep wolf. You know, do on it, do off of it. That was awesome. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I mean, these guys are, you know, King Nebuchadnezzar. He's ready to kill them. You know, Nebuchadnezzar has this big statue, gold statue. You're going to, every time you, you hear the loot, the harp, the whatever, the whatever, you're going to bow down and pray to this thing. Well, they didn't. And guess what happened? So now they're brought before Nebuchadnezzar. And he's, he's a little angry. Yeah, I'm going to throw you in the fire. And you know what they said? I don't care if you throw me in the fire. My God is still God. And he's still good. No, no matter what happens. In other words, you know what? If I perish, I perish. But my God is still God. You also remember Jesus made his first appearance. Because he was in the plains with him. Yep. David. I mean, the most infamous story. David and Goliath. And this one I had a little, a little trouble with, but, you know, I, I was thinking about it, and maybe uh, this is my opinion, so don't take it as fact. Um, so this kid, and they called him a kid, but I think I researched this a little bit. He was 20 years old, I think, when this happened. Um I read up a little bit on it. Anyway, so I'm gonna I'm gonna jump ahead a little bit. He shows up and he's like, "Bro, what you guys doing? Man, they're right over there. Let's go get them." And his brothers are standing there like, "What are you doing?" You know, I'm sure they're a little they're a little miffed because they didn't get picked to be kings. He had just been uh, anointed as from as king by Samuel, and he said. How dare they uh, go against the armies of the living God? Tell me that's not faith. I mean, this is a kid going against the, the the guy had to be probably as tall as this, maybe taller. Just kidding. And the reason I struggle with a little bit is that I'm thinking, well, where does this kid get his get his courage from? You know, yeah, he was tackling bears and lions, but who hasn't? You know what I mean? <laughs> you mean he laughed? <laughs> anyway, but back then the tradition was to constantly be telling the stories, of things that God has done to these to their children and their children's children, and he believed it. There's another one. Uh, St. Christopher, uh, St. Christopher, you know, was an unusually tall person for a Hebrew and all that. And, um, he is known to be the, the saint for travelers. And the story goes that when Mary and Joseph were getting ready to cross a river and it was kind of raging and all that, Christopher came along and he says, I'll carry the baby to the other side of the river to make sure it gets, you know, gets there safe. 
this is when you know he carried Jesus, and this you know, and, and and this comes out of the you know uh, Catholic religion. Mm. But that's why he's been you know he's the he's the saint protector of travelers. Sure. Well, he wasn't with me last night, that's for sure. So, all right, so one more. No, you're right. One more. We got Moses. Okay. Yeah. And this one uh, I struggled with a little bit too because I could just I could see God as a parent in this one. So now here's Moses. He's out in the wilderness. He's watching the sheep. Here's this flaming bush not being consumed. He's falling down on his face, worshiping, and he knows he's not worthy to be there. Takes his sandals off, and God says, "You're going to save my people." And what does he say? I'm old. I'm old, God. <laughs> like he's going to say, oh, oh, yeah, I forgot you're old. Oh, okay, yeah, let me get somebody else. No. And then he says, well, you know, I can't speak very well. Okay, uh, you know, okay. And he's, well, I, I stutter. Fine. All right. I'll get a Aaron, I mean Aaron, and... He can come with you, and I'll speak to you. You can get the words to Aaron, and Aaron can speak. You know, I can just hear that as a parent, you know. Oh, my gosh. But obviously we know, you know, he ends up bringing them everybody out, and, uh, and it all went really fine. But he still had to cop to a little bit of courage there just to get through it. So it was good. Um, so what... All these people, what what did they have in common? What was the common thread through all, all of them? This is, this is a question I ask myself. They kept their faith with God. They kept their faith with God. They had a weakness. Mm-hmm. They weren't perfect. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They believed. Hmm? They believed his promises. They believed promises. Yep. Mm-hmm. They got all <laughs> that's a, that's a, that's kind of a technical military term right there, voluntold. You know what? They were all just common people like you and me. I mean, we we kind of hold them up whether we know it or not because they're in the Bible. They're just common people just trying to get along, just trying to do what God has asked them to do. Common people being pushed to have con- uncommon faith, I think. Well, one time there was a common lady who only put two pence into a plate for the tide. Yeah. 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 They were pushed, and a lot of them, just to save their whole nation. Moses. I mean, he was told I have to bat the purpose of it. Gideon, the same. Esther, she had no idea what was going to happen. David, all these people, God knew who they were more than they knew who they were. And they were willing to change. So, um, how do we view these people sometimes 
Like when we, when we look at these stories, what are some of the things that we say to ourselves? Well, of course. I mean, I would have done the same. You know, because we can see the whole story. We know that we know the ending, right? Mm-hmm. Like we would do that. Yeah. <clears throat> would we really? Even with the burning bush there, I mean, would would you act like Moses? God, I I got a roof to do tomorrow. I, I can't be doing this. You know, I, my back is hard. I, I just I can't handle those chariot rides anymore. Or would we look at it in wonderment, wishing we had faith like that? Right? Where's, where does faith like that come from? And where do, we, where, where, where do we find that kind of faith? God's faithfulness. God's faithfulness. If I look back and see the times I should have been dead and should have been alive, I mean, if you look back on your life and God's faithfulness, we are blood. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What about through trials? I mean, a lot of times when we're in trials, we think, oh, I can't believe God left me. Mm-hmm. When really, through those trials, it's where God is right there. He's like pushing you a little bit, saying, Jeff, you can do more. I shouldn't say do. You you can be more. You can do this. I'm I'm here. I I got you. I know that I know that you think it can't happen, but with me it can happen. And I think it's a lot of times through the circumstances in our lives as well that these circumstances come about and they are able to push us that little extra bit to keep us going. You know, I, I look back on, on, on my own circumstances. There's absolutely no way that I should have seen what I have in construction over the years and that, that I have today. And I can kind of look back and I can say, okay, God put me in this. So we moved from Washington to Nebraska, which is where I started construction. Ended up on my own five, ten years later. Ended up being a, you know, five years after that, a, a lead. After that, you know, all these things. And I'm not saying this to lift me up. I'm saying this is how I can see God moving me in that direction. I had no clue. Now, my Tim, on the other hand, she had a clue. You just ask her, she'll tell you. <laughs> no, actually, she doesn't even remember. She used, she used to push me and said, you know, Jeff, you, you're pretty handy. You need to be a handyman or something. I'm like, what? I work avionics on F-15s. I'm not a handyman. Of course, we see where that went. What is, what is courageous faith not? What, is, what does courageous faith not look like? Taking credit yourself. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. 
when we don't count the cost, you think Esther counted the cost? David maybe was a little rash. He went into it. But Moses absolutely was counting the cost. Gideon counts the cost. Add Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They had the cost sitting right in front of them. Yeah, that's what it's not. So how can we foster this courageous faith within ourselves? And I'm not saying we can make it up. I mean, I know it's hard. I've been there. Yeah. Well, I think there comes a time in your life when you believe God and you don't. His promises are true or not. I trust Him or not. I mean, it becomes not an emotional, but a decision. I think number one is that we need to be constantly in God's Word and praying and prayer. And if we're not in God's Word, then and that's the number one encouragement to me uh, to be courageous. We need to have a willingness to change. All these people, <coughs> well, maybe not all of them, um, Moses, he didn't have a cushy job, obviously. He was out in the wilderness washing the sheep. That couldn't have been all that cushy. But, as who is it? Uh, Dave Ramsey says, you know, uh, yeah, it stinks, but or, or it's like the kid with the proverbial dirty diaper. You know, yeah, it stinks, but it's warm and it's mine. He was, he was used to it. And he, he didn't care. He didn't want to change. He just wanted to stay the same. We need to be willing to change. Change the way we think. Change the way we act. Change the way we speak. One thing about all the examples you have gave, that none of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. Yeah. I never had the help of the Holy Spirit, that's for sure. He hasn't been rebuilt yet. Or yeah, but yeah, we the ability, yeah, yeah, today have the Holy Spirit, and it's so He prompts us to do stuff. Right. So, and, sorry. And then we need to take the courageous faith to act on what the Holy Spirit tells us to do. Right. So I've got a few to get through here. Um, number two. We need to accept the fact that we don't know everything. All right, we can't see the outcome. We don't know if we're seeds or water. And we, we're not, I mean, I, I think 90% of the time I haven't been able to see the outcome of anything I've done, you know, as far as reaching out in faith. Sorry, my numbers are all over the place here. Um, we need to be teachable. That goes along with, you know, we don't know everything. If you're not teachable, then what's the point? I can give examples all day long of guys who just know too much. You can't tell them anything, you know, in construction or whatever. They can't be told anything. They're not teachable. I already know it all. Don't tell me about it. I've done this a thousand times. Number four is we have to be willing to lose according to what the world. When I say that, you're willing to give up 
friendships. You're willing to give up acceptance. Certainly seems like nowadays. What Jesus said. Yeah. We appreciate if you need to get up. We need to have a willingness to be persecuted. We have no idea what persecution is here. We have absolutely no idea. It's coming. But it's not here yet. We're just seeing the rumblings of it right now. Yeah, all this stuff is, is it, it fosters that, you know, we, it, it practices it. We practice. How do you get good at something? How do you get good at marketing? You practice it, right? How do you get it good at construction? You practice it. How do you get good at construction management? You practice it. How do you get it good at realty? You practice it. We, we practice. To step out and talk to that person, caring more about that person going to hell than being rejected by others. What is that first, I mean, we're all here today. Where is that first time that we all stepped out? Is that when you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? That, <coughs> it was in that instance right there. That's a great example, a great first example for all of us. When we stepped out, what did we have? We had nothing left. We had nowhere else to go. We were on our knees. We're not, we're not at the bottom of the barrel. We're five feet under the barrel. That's where it's at. And if you haven't accepted him, and accept that accept invitation today, do it. It's, that is, to me, when you go back, one of my, one of the, um, um, memory verses that I had you know, a long time ago, and this is First John 5, 11, and 12. It said that this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life, and this life is in His Son. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. Do you want life? Take that first courageous step and accept Him as your Lord and Savior. Praise be to God. Amen. Let's uh, let's gather around and we will pray for one another. Yeah, pray for me and my sick journey.